What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. AEW Full Gear 2020 is coming up this Saturday, so we're going to give you a preview here of the full match card as far as everything that's announced you know, by the point where, that we're doing this podcast. We're going to give you our predictions on who's going to win these matches and anything else that we feel like talking about leading into this. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, are Callum Wiggins. I'm not saying I'm um, an incredible wrestling reviewer, but do you think it's strange? Is it strange to anyone else that for the first time ever, we're having to wait a day, two days, five <laughs> days, ten days to figure out what's actually going to be on the buy in this this time in AEW? <laughs> <laughs> and Robert D. Police. Well, I don't know anything about that, but I can say that for the first time ever here on the Smart Cut Moments Back Talk podcast, we had two AEW main events in a row. So there you go, history. Oh, yeah. And I guess like 2.5 because we're going to have the post show. Well, there oh you God. go. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're an AEW podcast, AEW podcast now. Podcast. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. People just go keep us a bias towards them now. Yeah, that's what happens, you know. Uh, I write for Bleach Report, so clearly I'm being paid off by them. And I <laughs> criticize them, which clearly means that I'm a WWE mark. So, you know, I can't win. Also, apparently I hate and love both Marvel and DC, and uh, Disney's got me by the balls, and Warner Brothers is uh, lording over me. I don't know. That's how it works. But Wow, you must be a rich person. Yeah, I wish. Wouldn't that be great? If I was getting paid off by all these people, <laughs> I'd totally take the money. That would be like, all right, yeah, was... you know, this product's great. Give me that cash, you know. <laughs> Isn't Trump and Biden enough, Tony? <laughs> no, apparently not. <laughs> apparently nothing enough. is enough when it comes to this kind of crap. Uh, we're, at a, we're a country in shambles right now, um, but the podcast won't be. We've got things. We've got things about what we know, what we do. Uh, we do the usual stuff here, and if you don't know what we usually do here, you're brand new to the podcast and everything like that, I'll give you a quick rundown. What we will be doing is we'll just be giving you our thoughts of, you know, I mean, the general, like, what the feud is for, you know, the feuds that actually are feuds. Some of the matches don't really have feuds. We're going to talk about some alternative ideas, because we don't know what the buy-in is anymore. And we're going to run down our thoughts on who's going to win these matches. So we want you to do the same thing in the comments section below. And obviously, if you're on a platform like Amazon Music or Spotify or something that does not have a comment section, you can't leave a comment. But the best thing for you to do is to head on over to the YouTube channel. And while you're over there and you're dropping a comment, you're telling us your thoughts and your thoughts on our thoughts and everything else like that, hit that subscribe button, ring that little notification bell as well, hit that like button. If you feel so inclined, hit that join button as well. Hit the applause button if you got the spare change and you want to help out on that uh, side of things. And if you don't know what the join button is, it's essentially the same thing as the Patreon. The uh, applause button is like a little tip jar uh, in that kind of realm. Uh, I will mention the Patreon and then some other things a little bit later on. We'll kind of just uh, move to some other things uh, instead of just bogging everything down at the beginning here. So mentioned that we don't know what the buy-in is anymore. Now, it seems a little bit weird because we knew what the buy-in was you know, last night. But they've decided to change it. Now, originally it was Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. And that match is happening on the card. It's just been bumped up to the main card. And they've done this, I think, the past two events, if not maybe more than that. Kind of seems like they're booking these things. And then they're going, ah, we forgot about such and such. Well, now we're going to move this. And we're going to add that to the card or something. You guys get the feeling that this is more about bumping 
Cassidy and Silver and adding people in there? Or do you think that this is more so kind of like what they did with like the Baker situation where they were like, eh, it might work better for this. And they kind of changed their mind midway through. I think this is about bumping Cassidy to the main card because he is a draw and you don't need to. I think if you put him on the buy-in, there can be an argument made that you're losing some of people's favorite AEW wrestler. So let's put him on the pay-per-view. I don't think two minds about it because putting him on the buy-in might have been an added incentive to put him or to, for people to buy the show because they would see his match. But then again, people would probably more likely to buy whether he's on the show, not saying on the show or not. He's obviously a draw, but I don't think once you see him on the buy-in, you don't get to see him once you buy the actual show. So what's the point? So maybe they think that you have to pay to see Orange Cassidy because he's a big deal right now rather than giving him away for free on the buy-in where they could put something else in its place, which is not bad, but a lot less, I guess, appealing than this match is. Well, this match really has no, like, not that it has no purpose, because, I mean, ultimately, it's all for the sake of nothing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. You know, Cassidy is great. John Silver is awesome. He's underrated. Uh, if he were, you know, a little bit taller, he'd be, like, probably TNT champion right now or something. But I guess let's talk about that match and then talk about some alternative things. Um, I still anticipate the same outcome. Orange Cassidy wins, and it's just a fun match, just for the sake of having a match. I, I liked it better when it was on the buy-in, to be honest. I'm okay with Tickle Butt, like, especially from these two guys. They know how to do it. And it will be one of the most fun comedy matches that you can put together so good on them but obviously orange cassidy wins because he was literally the co-main event of the last pay-per-view so i'm i'm looking forward to it just because i feel obviously i love these two guys working my issue is the fact that i don't want it to be super laden with comedy just because these two can actually work and i actually like to see them wrestle each other as well as do some of the comedy stuff early on so i hope it they get the comedy stuff out of the way and they actually transition into actually having a good match with each other. So I'm pretty sure that'll be the case. And I'm looking forward to the fact that even though you'd say it's a good or bad thing, but apparently there is going to be at least a, a, sm a small, but si a re reasonably sized crowd for this show. And so they'll maybe, it maybe will make the Orange Cassidy character stand out a little bit more because that character is always better in front of a crowd. So what do you guys think is going to be the replacement buy-in match? I think the leading candidate is probably Miro and Kip Sabian versus the best friends. That's the main one I was thinking. You know, it didn't even cross my damn mind, and I'm sad about that because <laughs> the man fought John Cena at WrestleMania. I can't think of anything else because this sucks. This just sucks. And I like Miro and Kip. I had a, a fun little interaction with Kip on Twitter because Miro had said he sees himself like the Knuckles to Kip Sabian Sonic and I tweeted that and Kip Sabian was like yeah but I think we're gonna be Donkey and Diddy instead I'm like awesome I want to see that that's fun but also Miro should be breaking people in half <laughs> they so, do kind of strike me as Donkey and Diddy that makes sense that makes perfect sense and Penelope well, Donkey can be, does uh, break people in half so that's kind of and you know um Penelope can be uh Dixie so fantastic yeah but I, I just want to see more from Miro. And until I get that, I'm going to continue 
to say that his move to AEW wasn't a good one. To be fair, though, when it comes to the buy-in, they tend to do just sort of random stuff. I mean, the John Silver and Orange Cassidy stuff is pretty random, and that was the original plan. So it wouldn't shock me at all if this is like Luchasaurus against Luther or something like that, you know? I mean, it is kind of random, but also to an extent, John Silver did cost Orange Cassidy the TNT Championship a week or two ago. So they have actually, it's obviously it's been something that's, it's not got a huge amount of future, yeah. but it does have some at least motivation to have this match on the card. Yeah, it's and not the same out of same, nowhere. Yeah, and the same would be the said about the um, the Kip, Sabian, and uh, Miro match against Best Friends. There is a story developing there. That's almost the reason why I think they maybe not be on the buy-in, just because mm-hmm. that seems to be a, a TV-contained feud. And it, I'm not saying like, it would be a huge draw, but it might be some sort of incentive for people to tune into the next episode of Dynamite if they decide to do the tag team match there instead. I mean, it's not like, like you say, the buy-in isn't huge for generating more buys because most people that are going to buy the show anyway won't be tempted by whatever they put on the buy-in so why not just have a good match on there and i'm not saying this match wouldn't be good because best friends are great as a tag team i'm sure there's a lot more to come from both kip sabian and miro as a tag team act but you could just put i don't know will hobbs against lance archer or something and that would be again that would be a match out of nowhere but it would still be probably be a good match and something you could just put on the buy-in instead yeah, because, I mean, if this whole arcade cabinet stuff plays out on TV and they make some kind of a gimmicky match out of it and maybe, they, you know, they advertise that as like the, I don't know, the arcade brawl or whatever. I don't know. I, I didn't think about it at all. Um, but like if they try to do that, then maybe they get people invested for that episode for that. But you could also argue if they put Miro on the buy in, maybe some people that are on the WWE side of things might go, Oh, Rusev is fighting on this. Let me check out the free match. And then they might end up watching that. So it wouldn't be a bad idea. I don't think to try that out. I I understand that, but it's just like, uh, do I really want to see, you know, arcade anarchy where they just fight in a Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, Sue's mom, uh, Sue's mom, Trent's mom, Sue, pushes Penelope Ford in a ball pit like because you know <laughs> it's gonna lead to this or something like it I best friends came off of a really hot parking lot brawl looking like stars uh, Miro is hot off WWE TV and Sabian is one of the few homegrown talents they have like you can alright I get the laugh because I said he's hot off WWE TV but you know he's a big deal over there or was I think you could do more with this feud. And honestly, I think best friends should win because they are a good tag team and they could be a credible babyface tag team championship team. There's a couple of people that aren't on the card right now that if they do slot them in somewhere, I mean, maybe they put them in there. I mean, they've got, oh, Will Hobbs was brought up. They've got uh Brian cage, Ricky Starks. Um, we don't have a match between Scorpio Sky and Sean Spears, but we're getting that on Dynamite, I think, tonight, right? I believe so, yes. Correct. So, I mean, they could, they could put, you know, maybe I, pack. I, I, I don't think that I they still, should, I, like, but, I still you know. don't know what packs are. Yeah, it'd be quite odd if, like, Pac's big return is just a match on the boy. Yeah. I mean, they, they could throw Private Party versus SCU on there or something. Like, they'll... 
they'll do whatever. It's probably not going to matter all that much. It's just a buy-in. It's it's a match to whet your appetite. It's not going to be like, you know, a big title change is going to happen or anything like that. No. So the rest of the card, let's start moving down that. Uh, we've we got... um, actually give our predictions for Cassidy and Silver? I mean, I assume we're all going to Cassidy anyway, but just to yeah, just Cassidy. Clarify. Yeah, all Cassidy. Um, let's see, what should we go with next? So it's, uh, I mean, there's a, it's a pretty stacked card overall. That, yeah, to be fair, this card actually looks like a lot of really hot feuds and a women's title match, which has got no build yeah. and a match, <laughs> and a match that, which I was hoping that we wouldn't see again, but we're going to see anyway. We so go with that one? let's go with that one. Uh, the AEW Women's World Championship is on the line. She, uh, Hikaru Shida is going to be defending against the one that she beat to win that title, Nyla Rose, because now <laughs> essentially it's you know, Nyla Rose is the number one ranked. But that ranking system doesn't fucking change. So, you know, I mean, this week to last week, there literally was not a single change in the ranking. Not one of the five gained or lost a single point. So when that happens and you've, I mean, Britt Baker spent how many months on the shelf? Like six? Uh, two? What? Felt like shelf in terms of like she wasn't wrestling. She was on the shelf. Okay. Okay. It was like it was a long while, and she was like perpetually number four or number five on that. We keep talking about how they need to bump up their women's division, and they've added some people. I mean, Red Velvet seems like she's pretty much signed. Ivelisse Diamante, Brandy now, which is the kiss of death. Uh, Kylan King won a match on Dark, so I guess that she against Lady Tapper. Yeah, that was kind of random, wasn't it? In the past, there. Um, Wouldn't you put Lady? I don't know. Simone's are pretty hot right now. Wouldn't you put Lady Tapa over? I mean, I would if she was any good. That's fair. Maybe, um, maybe we're gonna get some other random person's gonna beat like Rocka Khan or something next week. It's <laughs> a name you haven't heard in a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't she like in prison or something? Actually, <laughs> no. And wasn't there some kind of an issue? There was an issue with her and Kurt Angle. She accused Kurt Angle of abuse. Oh, well, you know, maybe she'll uh, be a part of that or something, but I'm not feeling they need someone. someone Oh, my God. They need. So Cody's doing a media call tomorrow, and I want the first four questions to be, what are you guys doing about your women? Because there are so many good domestic talents to sign. And Layla Hirsch should have been signed immediately after their match on Dynamite. You know, just I don't even think they've technically signed Ivelisse and Diamante yet. Nope. And I mean, like, you can argue whatever you want about those two in the ring, but they did win their damn tag team tournament. So why haven't you signed them? Yeah, this is kind of strange. Why do that tournament if you weren't going to sign them? You know, I mean, I over Brandy, like put over, you know, the team that actually was signed and built throughout the whole thing. Is there anybody in AEW that has had as much of a confusing booking situation than Allie? Brandy Rhodes. I think Allie's even worse. Because Brandy, you can kind of tell what what they're doing. It just keeps kind of failing. Like, Brandy wants to be a heel, and she wants to be a big shot. So she wanted to have her Nightmare Collective thing. It sucked. 
And then she decided to just be, you know, oh, I'm just going to be Brandy for a little while then. And then now that she's gotten bored of that, she's going back into wanting to be the heel. Allie is like, she came in as like one of their big names, never really got pushed all that much, turned into the bunny, turned back into Allie, teamed up with Brandy, never got a feud out of that. I don't understand how that, how do we not have uh, the butcher and the blade and the bunny against the nightmares? Like that's just according to according to Ali, she got bored. That was the literal <laughs> answer they gave on Dark. I Ridiculous. got bored. QT. I'm bored of this conversation. Let's talk more about the women's title match. Um, because <laughs> well, hold on, but like, well, that, not that's not that's particularly interesting anyway. But it's just I'm annoyed about this feud beyond the fact that they've given absolutely no build to it, and this is probably the a good second or third time on pay per view they've given absolutely no build or real attention to the women's title match they'll come up with some nice little video package to go alongside it to make it feel like this match was really important but it actually isn't and the big issue about it is that the reason why this match is happening in canon is that nyla rose refused to re- said that she was going to refuse to wrestle until hikaru shooter gave her a title shot and if i'm a hikaru shooter i'm thinking okay it's like, yeah it's like okay nyla rose doesn't want to wrestle anymore i hope that's uh goes well down goes down well in court when people say that she's breaching her contract or anything like that i'm just gonna carry on going i want to fight someone different i want to fight someone new and interesting don't want to go back to the person who i already defeated for this title in the first place they're gonna uh pivot the story and have she to say um i know that nyla rose is uh technically the number one contender but can we stop counting the rankings before <laughs> which is more of an issue about the fact that I, I i like AEW for the most part it's just like when they do things that are bullshit i'll call them out on it and this is yeah. this is a really shitty feud for the women's title when it makes their women's title and the whole women's division seem completely irrelevant kind of seems to me like the obvious thing is baker and Sheeta. Yeah, and that they the decided, fuck, let's, that? let's not uh, build to that and let's not rush it. So let's do something else in the meantime and then do that on Revolution. And then when they were trying to figure out what to do in the meantime, they were like, I don't know, Nyla Rose is number one contender. So just like fucking her, you know. I think Brit's so, going to win you know it what's a bad trend but... I'm seeing on AEW is they do a lot of title matches on TV. Yeah. And sometimes I think they almost prefer those matches as to the things they actually build towards the pay-per-views because logically regardless of what you think about big swole she won the big grudge match at all out it would have been an easy build to just have her go for sheeta at this pay-per-view they didn't do that they gave that match away on dynamite fine my issue with this whole thing is you had alex marvez say Sheeta, Nyla Rose isn't going to get in the ring with you until you give her a title match. Now, I did find out later that, yes, Vicky Guerrero did say on an episode of Dark, as her representative, I want, I will not have her get in the ring until she gets a title match. Why didn't you replay that clip on Dynamite? All due respect, because we say it for 205 Live and main event, nobody's watching dark and by the way tony and i had this conversation yesterday dark was longer than dynamite this Mm -hmm. week dark was two hours and i think 12 minutes two hours and 14 minutes something along like those lines of pure like without commercials which which which, which, yeah it's way longer than dark because it's way longer than dynamite dynamite i only add commercials is about 90 minutes so so. yeah and that and that should not be 
And if no. you're going to do that, and if you're going to run angles, then you need to make dark must-see viewing and not just rely on, well, our audience loves us and they love wrestling. Because I got news for you. If it's Tuesday night and I don't have to watch wrestling, I'm not going to. So I missed the one thing you did to build this match. And yes, it's frustrating because their women's division should be a lot better than it is. And yet we're sitting here talking about the same match we were talking about in May. And they've done nothing to build anybody since then. Look at it this way. Everybody criticizes Monday Night Raw for being three hours and SmackDown for being, you know, if you count all the hours that WWE has, technically speaking, of course, when it comes to regular pay-per-views, you can't really count like NXT UK, for instance, because that's just its own little bubble. But when you look into a pay-per-view on the main roster side of things and you go, God, you guys had five hours, not even counting main event to build something each week leading up to this. And you, the best you could do is this kind of thing. You can't figure out a, a way to get this person on the card or whatever like that. If you uh, want to factor that in five hours each week or whatever, you got two hours of dynamite and you got two hours plus uh, this time around of uh dark. If you've got that much time and you're wasting time with, just these random people on dark and you couldn't have had people build up anything with Sheeta and Rose, then you deserve to be spoken of as this match is kind of a waste a little bit. Well, it's just to get I, the I people got... on the card and that's about it. I don't think anybody's interested in this as being like the thing that they're watching on this show. I, I do find myself like in agreement with Rob about the idea that if you are doing something which is building towards a match that is on pay-per-view and related stuff that is going on on Dynamite and can enhance the stuff on Dynamite, then yes, you should take that stuff from Dark and put it onto Dynamite, whether it's through replay or whether it's actually just switching it over onto Dynamite as opposed to it appearing on Dark. My, I don't mind the fact that Dark runs that long because, first of all, like, like I said previously, you don't actually have to watch Dark because most of it doesn't actually impact on the main show. And I, again, I always just see Dark as an opportunity for these guys to just get some reps in and build up their characters and build up their performances a little bit more than actually until they're ready to be, you know, more full-timey in big feuds on Dynamite. So um, it doesn't bother me it's that long. My philosophy is pretty much every show needs to matter. And if you go into like Dark or Main Event or 205 Live and you say, well, you don't need to watch it because it doesn't matter all that, then why have the show? You know, like um, I'd rather, for instance, like 205 Live has been recorded at the Capitol Wrestling Center. Just get rid of 205 Live and replace it with something for the developmental people. And if you get like Cal Bloom against... I don't know some of these people, the new people's names. Um, AJ Francis. Like, yeah, you don't need to watch that. But if you're tracking the developmental side of things, then you do. Nobody's tracking Lady Tapa versus Kylan King. Except me, apparently. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, well I'll that's, that's already the case with 205 Live. But yeah. I mean, I watched Here's it. it was the Here's the issue I have with it. Again, you're they are far too reliant as a whole in this idea that they have this 
loving, devoted core fan base that will just watch and buy and do anything that they slap their logo on. And you can't treat everything like that. This is almost the same thing we were talking about last year when it was like, oh my God, it's the Butcher and the Blade. And we didn't know who the fuck they were because how do you know? Like, you just assume that everybody knows everything about wrestling and everybody thinks wrestling is the greatest thing ever. And, you know, the three of us might, but the average viewer, which is who they should still be trying to attract, does not. I think it's a little different. I think that the stuff they do for like BTE and things like that is a little bit more just those are for your hardcore fans. And they, I think, obviously, the elements, they, their elements on Dark, like this Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero promo that, like I say, needs to be highlighted on Dynamite if it is leading towards a big title match. But for the most part, it's just extra stuff that if you're a really devoted AEW fan, then you'll watch everything and you'll love everything and all that other stuff. But if you're not, then you don't have to watch it and it doesn't affect you if you're just a casual Dynamite viewer. Well, my issue with that is if you're going to say that some of this stuff is along the same lines as a BTE, why is it over two hours long? Like they're they're it's fundamentally because people flawed. need to because like I say like it's it's practical in the sense that these people need to have matches they can't just sit and sit on their ass for weeks on end getting rusty and stuff like that they need to be performing that's what wrestlers do that's that's why the house show circuit was thing obviously that was the thing that used to make lots of money but the reason why they kept doing it is because people need reps people need to keep fresh I'm, otherwise I'm they get still weird and they get that. shitty I'm yeah, just so, saying it. So why not put it? That, why not televise it? Why not? Why not put it on YouTube if you're going to do it? You, you have to do it, it. Split it into two episodes. There's no reason that their developmental show should be longer than their main card, which is up against, you know, NXT and Prime Time no Television. Reason, but there's no reason it shouldn't be either. There's zero reason why it shouldn't be. If you've got that much content, then do it. No, like people will watch what they want to watch. If 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 a good hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people are watching AEW Dog, then why would you change it? I still think it's funny that people put uh, super chats in there. I know it's, funny. <laughs> but yeah, see, that's another reason. Just like if that's working, it's getting you stuff, even if it is just a small amount of things compared to the main show. I don't think it's hurting Dynamite's performance or anything like that, or hurting anything, any other aspect of AEW. So why not just keep it as it is? It's not hurting anyone. I will say though, right, if, if I if I um, don't need to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with some different things. If I run into a situation where I'm not doing AEW Dark coverage, not gonna be watching it. Yeah, and you don't. You know, and I shouldn't have to keep track of the AEW roster rankings to try to justify why they've got a match happening on here. I think that they need feuds, and one of my biggest criticisms of AEW is I'm not a big fan of the. Person versus person, isn't that going to be a good match? Watch the thing. Ironically, everything we're saying about this women's championship match, we're going to have to flip when discussing the final match on the card. Mm. I mean, yeah, some, yeah, for some things. I'm, I'm, um, I mean, we can kind of be positive. We kind of like use this match as an opportunity to just like vent. <laughs> Very or very or defend certain aspects of AEW. So, yeah. like, should, we, should we just get through just two like Sheedan's retaining? In my yeah, Sheedan's retaining. 
Yeah, this is this is a stopgap. This is nothing yeah. that matters. Nyla Rose isn't going to win this, and on, if Nyla Rose wins it, like, win and tell, yeah. yeah, if Nyla Rose does win it by some chance, it's them saying, "Well, you know what? We wanted to go with Nyla Rose before COVID, and we're switching that over, even though the fact that COVID's not over anyway." But according to some people, it is. Yeah, you know, that's another whole discussion, another day. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a match that is a replacement match for another one that just didn't work. Um, the Elite Deletion match. Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara, they were supposed to have their Broken Rules match at All Out. And then they decided to do a spot where Matt Hardy bonked his head on the concrete. And we got a nine-minute match that shouldn't have been a match because it should have just ended right there. It ended with Matt Hardy winning. And they decided, I think, essentially, let's just do that again. But switch it up a little bit. And it kind of has me about 50-50 on this, though, because that makes me think, well, if the original game plan was Matt Hardy winning, and he is the one that has looked the worst out of this uh, feud, it makes more sense for the babyface to come out with the win on the in the end, especially if it's going to be taking place at the Hardy compound. But do you just give it to Sammy Guevara because he lost the last one? It's a possibility. I'm going to still go Matt Hardy winning, and I'll go so far as to say... If they do this right, this could be one of the better cinematic matches that they've had from both WWE and AEW this year. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that it's going to be overrated. In terms of the actual match itself, I can't say that I'm super thrilled about the fact they're doing it again. The fact that it is elite deletion means that at least it's likely that Hardy will be protected by the fact that it will be a cinematic match. So it'll be less taking ridiculous bumps off of forklifts and cranes and more about character work and just some nice cinematic shots and scenarios. It'll be more, I assume, more comedy related than the previous stuff that they've done. And Sammy's a very good chicken shit heel character. He's very good at getting that like brash cocky persona over hardy if he is doing the broken mat stuff for this is obviously great and i'm sure that'll come off well and yeah i think i'm looking forward to this more than the previous one just on the sense that this is probably going to be it it's going to be over following this one and it's very it's a lot less likely that either of them are going to get seriously hurt in the process so i'm going to go hardy winning as well um so this goes back even further than All Out. If you remember, I think like his second week in the company, Hardy was trying to get Jericho to do an elite deletion match with him. And the plan for that was going to be Jericho passes it on to Sammy. So we're like going back to March to finally finish the plans that they initially had for this rivalry while also getting a chance to you know, rectify the mess that was all out. This should be fun. It'll be fine. I have problems with this because Hardy had cut a big promo about not wanting to be characters anymore and just wanting to be Matt. And yet he immediately did this. So it's a little illogical, but throwing logic out the window, this should be fun. And I think Hardy has to win because he's the baby face. So really quickly, let me just uh, toss out a couple plugs while we're at it, because we're about halfway through this card. 
Mentioned earlier that the join button on YouTube is essentially the YouTube version of the Patreon. So if you don't know what the Patreon side of things is, go over to patreon.com slash smartoutmoment and hit up any of those tiers that you're interested in. Uh, the $1 and up range. $10 and up gives you access to the dark casts. And there's the pick your poison tier. So maybe if you in particular want us to watch some kind of a match like a cinematic match and do some kind of a... Uh, fan outs table commentary track for that or whatever, then you go ahead and you do that tier and you get to pick it. There's also the Patreon for fanboysanonymous.com. And if you want more cinematic anything, because that covers movies, not only, uh, but also TV and you know comic books and video games and all those things on the geek culture spectrum, then go to fanboysanonymous.com, hit up the Patreon for that, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the Facebook and Twitter, same things that you would be doing over on the Smart Out Moment side of things. Do that for Fanboys Anonymous. Let's go to the Cody and Darby Allen TNT Championship match. I am feeling like a... Uh, I feel like if I express my full opinions about this, people are going to go, oh, God, Tony, come on. But here's how I'm feeling. I don't care. Cody and Darby Allen work well together. They've had some good matches. Sure. Why uh, is this a thing? Darby Allen's feuding with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. Now, maybe they incorporate something tonight on Dynamite where maybe Ricky Starks get in, gets added to the match. If that happens, then I'm still kind of wondering why Cody is in the mix. This feels like a match that doesn't need to be happening right now. This feels like a placeholder thing. And it seems like they have a lot of other options, yet they're still going with it. And I'm more curious with the idea that maybe this was their game plan for when Cody would drop this title, and it was never supposed to be Brody Lee. And this whole Cody winning the title back is just to do this. And if that's the case, then that's kind of just up in the air. So I'm not feeling it. I know the match is going to be fine, if not great because they've worked well together in the past, but I'm a little sick and tired of pro wrestling in general in a lot of different ways. So I want my content to be more than just more of the same thing. So when it comes to Cody and Darby Allen, the same as when it comes to a lot of the other things, and especially uh, in WWE too, because I watch more WWE than AEW, I don't want the same thing again just to eat up more of my time, even if I liked the thing before. I want something a little bit new. I want something a little bit more tangible, and I want something that has a little bit more of a purpose. I will say, though, there is a possibility that I get that purpose with Darby Allen joining Dark Order. I don't know why I think that that's an option. As far as I know, they haven't hinted towards that. But Cody's somewhat feuding with them still and everything. So I don't know. Maybe they do something there. Maybe that's a fun little twist. And if they do that, then I'll go, oh, okay. Darby Allen wins the title. He joins Dark Order. And that's why they did it. If it ends up just being Cody wins again, or Darby Allen wins for the sake of winning and he's just your champion and whatever, I'm going to be disappointed with it, even if the match is great. So by all means, go to the comments. Tell me how I annoyed you because Tony doesn't like when good things are good. I do. It's just, 
I got a lot of fucking I things think, I'm working on, and I, I, I need Tony to budget is, my time. <laughs> I, I think Tony is experiencing a burnout, and oh, I have I been for s- a long time. <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm just trying to like put a button <laughs> on that. Well, look, I like what this can be because Cody and Darby maybe has been one of the matches that we've seen the most in AEW, but it always does work well. I kind of feel like Tony in the sense that Darby should win here because if it's just another successful Cody defense that I'm not exactly sure why it's happening here, this will be the one where they go, well, the rankings you see, and then the, I have a lot of issues with the rankings, but I, I like Cody and I like when Cody wrestles. So th- this will be good. I don't think Darby will join dark order. I think that would be a terrible thing. He should be like the, antithesis of the dark order he should be the sting to the dark orders nwo and maybe you can tell that story with darby as champion the problem is and we'll talk about this more later cody's got that stupid stipulation that he can't move up and challenge moxley so you take him out of the tnt title picture and what do you do with him and i'm not ready to see cody wind his career down because cody's doing some of the best work of his career. I like it. It's a little uh, there just to be there, which is less than ideal, but it should be a good match, and I'm going to go with Darby to win. So maybe I'm honing in a little bit too much on something specifically that happened on the last episode of Dynamite, but I'm going to do it anyway. Cody's turning heel. Yeah. Because Arn Anderson helped him. He hit... Um, Orange Cassidy to make sure that Cody could pin him and Cody didn't realize it, but they're doing the thing where Cody doesn't think but like, Oh, Cody doesn't know that Arn Anderson's helping him win all these matches, but he actually does know because that's the way they would tell this story. So in my mind, Cody is turning heel. This match is going to contribute to it. I don't know whether that means that Cody will get help again from Anderson or somebody else to help him defeat Darby Allen or he loses Darby Allen. And that just like, he begrudgingly accepts it, but like you can tell that he's really frustrated with himself and everything like that. And at the end of the day, I feel like his, he's turning heel, Omega's turning heel, the Young Bucks are turning heel, and that's how they're going to get around all these stipulations about them not fighting for titles because they're heels and so they're just going to break their own rules. You know what, though? I'm okay with that. If that's leading to that, I'm good with it because they are EVPs and they should just say, fuck you, we're the EVPs. Yeah, and that'll I, be the character. I think that'll be the character going forward. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I like the idea of, you know, Arn and Cody turning heel, except for the fact that, that lumberjack match saw everybody fighting everybody, so it just looked like well, well, more well, added the, mess. Well, Cody's not turning heel because heels don't exist. So right. well, and that, the- match, <laughs> that lumberjack match was like the visual representation of like yeah. baby faces and heels don't exist. That being said, though, if Arn and Cody are going to turn heel, even though the, the elites right there, there's a part of me that wants them with Tully and FDR. Yeah, a part of me would like that as well. But it's it's the maybe Cody just turns heel and Kenny's a heel, and the maybe the Unbucks stay babyface. It's just like they're all just separated from each other a little bit more. But maybe I, I, maybe it's just no longer the elite. It's now Cody and FTR and. And Omega's on his own fighting for the world title and the Young Bucks are trying to build their way back up for the tag team picture in a babyface way. But so it doesn't necessarily all have to be the elite all coming together to do these types of things. 
But I feel with this match, it would make sense to have Derby win just because it's a fresh face. I'm not saying that you necessarily just have to change the title because it's a fresh face, but I think the Cody Championship Challenge thing would wear thin. I mean, maybe it would be better with him like being in a situation where he's close to losing to a lot of baby phases now and Arn Anderson or someone else is helping him get victory. So maybe that freshens it up a little bit. But I think give the title to Darby Allen. Darby Allen can feud with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage over it. So that gives them something to do. I'm sure Cody, because his star is bright enough already, that he'll be able to find something else to do, whether he stays babyface or heel. I mean, that could start the transition. It could be he's frustrated about that. He starts going after one of the top baby faces on the show, whether it's a reprisal, the Orange Cassidy thing, whether it's Matt Hardy will need something else to do once he's done with Sammy Guevara. You've got a few other people you could choose from. So I'm going to go guns my head. Darby Allen wins the title here. I'm leaning a little bit more towards Darby Allen. Um, but I, I'm like kind of flip a coin on it. There's a couple matches on anything? this that I'm not really feeling 100% on, and this is one of them. Do you think there's anything to the uh, the Sting stuff? Do you think they try to get Sting? I think that they've certainly tried and will try to get Sting. I don't think that he's going to wrestle or anything, though. I bring that up here because, you know, if Sting's going to do anything, it's going to somehow revolve around Cody because Cody wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I think it would be more likely to... I almost said that it would be more likely to revolve around Darby because Darby and Sting... I mean, I don't know whether their similarities extend beyond the base paint, but it's kind well, of... Well, listen, like... Cody went on commentary, legit was just hammering home that comparison a few months back, so... Mm-hmm. I don't, well, I don't, yeah. Darby and uh, Sting, and then you got Arn and Cody, you know, Sting's in Darby's corner kind of a thing, like, you do that. I'm all right, I don't hate it. Uh, let's see what else we got. Well, we mentioned this, um, the idea of not challenging for the title anymore is a thing that happened with Cody and they've stuck to that for a year. I still think that it's a very, very short sighted, stupid thing that they did and they're doing it again. Uh, the young bucks are, if they lose their world tag team championship match against FTR, then they say that they will not fight for the tag team titles. That throws everything off for me because I, let's be honest, this has not been as good. As we were hoping, right? I'm not the only one that feels that way. No, no, you're you're totally right. This okay, good. I, I think Rob again will be a, a testament to this when he comes to talking on this. And that this match, realistically, considering what the match for the world title is, should be the main event of this show. This should be. This is a bigger deal than John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. Even though I'm enjoying the John Moxley Eddie Kingston feud, this tag team match, if booked correctly, should be the biggest thing that your company has going right now but they've completely, I would say completely, but they've botched it significantly more than they should have done. Even FTR has said, like, well, this wasn't what we were hoping for. Yeah. It's like, I who mean, in the hell thought that it's a good idea that the Young well, Bucks should be turning heel beforehand? Like, well, Yeah, that that is the big issue, is the fact that I think the Young Bucks, and I think I've heard other people speaking about this on other like wrestling review shows and things like that, the Young Bucks seemingly didn't think that they were turning heel and instead just showing signs of like frustrated baby faces. But then you kick Tony Schiavone in the face, and you kick Alex Marvez in the face. Just just these random people that are really doing nothing and for you're anybody. you're throwing money around like, yeah. look at us, we're fucking loaded. Obviously you're heels, but this, again, in lies the problem of 
they legitimately believe the narrative that heels and baby faces don't exist. This is where. I'm and that's sorry, ridiculous because it's like Jurassic Express. They're fucking baby faces. Shut up. You know, like. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut him off. And if he wants to finish whatever his thought is, I'll let him finish because I'm just going to rant and I would like to give him a chance to finish what he was going to say. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm not going to probably say anything that's treading on what you're going to be going across because I know what you you feel towards this thing that this match is should be the biggest thing. Like I say, this company has going. It should be the main event of this card. It's a match that people have been waiting a good three three years at least to see. So you could have easily pivoted this to be your main event of this show, and for some reason they went through this very convoluted thing with the Young Bucks, which has only served to call them off significantly. I'd almost feel better if it was FTR on this pay-per-view facing like Jurassic Express and giving a, another month or two until Revolution to rehab the Young Bucks and actually turn them back into proper baby faces, if that's what you intend to do. And yeah, the babyface heel thing is just stupid. Like This is easy enough to do. You know FTR are great heels. The Young Bucks can be baby faces. Just do that. That's like... That's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the only saving grace is the fact that hopefully this match is great. But then we also add the issue of the fact that Matt Jackson's <laughs> knee is fucked, apparently, in storyline. And so he's going to be wrestling at half cock, half cock as usual, because that's him. I, I know Rob's going to say this is all about the whole, like, Young Bucks proving to everyone who say they can't sell, they actually can sell. And there is an element to it. I don't think it's to the extent that you're going to say, but you'll want to your opinion to say it because I don't think it's very, it's certainly not invalid. But I think that that's going to involve a lot of selling with Matt Jackson. And so it's not going to be a full-blooded Young Bucks FTR match. But then again, that's part of FTR's wheelhouse is targeting the person with the injury and then going after it for a long time. So I don't think that will severely damage the match. So I'm hoping it's as good as the match from Revolution, but going in with that attitude will make me feel like this could come across as a disappointment, even if the match is great. So I want to try and go into this match with as little expectation as possible. So, first of all, the babyface, baby, babyface heel thing is absolutely ridiculous, as we well pointed out. But it becomes egregious with the elite. In those core group of guys... And I just think that they really believe that we're on this different wavelength because we're, you know, we know that our fans are smarter. And it, I could go on about that one aspect about this forever, but I won't do that because at the end of the day, like Callum said, this should be the main event of the show. They're four hours away from me. COVID or not, I should want to travel four hours to watch this match. But then you throw in the damn ankle injury. And I don't know why it is. I did say on a previous podcast for Fightful that maybe it's you know, them feeling the need to stroke their own ego because people say they don't sell. But now is not the time to do this shit. You have literally, it's a layup. It is the one match in North America that tag team wrestling fans want to see. What are you doing? It's FTR and the Young Bucks. All you got to do here is go... Young Bucks are tag champions because they should have beaten Omega and Paige at some point. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, FTR is here. You guys have been ruining our industry for 
however many years, we're pissed off at you, but you went through this long song and dance about, oh, we're kind of friends, but not really. Haha, ha, just kidding. We're with Tully now. It was a layup. You should have came in like that because this is what the people wanted to see. And then you you go and throw this motherfucking stipulation that if you lose, you can't challenge for your tag belts. Why? And I'll say this, this better result in the Young Bucks winning a damn fine wrestling match because if they lose and don't immediately go with what Callum had said where Cody's heel and they're all just going to say, well, screw the rules because we make them. I, I don't know why they have overdone this. I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, the Young Bucks... Cody Rose, Kenny Omega are why we watch this fucking program. Why have you gone the long way with making this the stuff we want to see? They should have been the tag team champions to begin with. Omega probably should have been the first world champion because, again, EVPs are not. uh, Standard wrestling tropes are not. That's why we're watching all elite wrestling. It's in the name. I all I will say is it better blow my mind on Saturday with how good this match is because it can be. And if if they really overconvolute this thing, I'm going to be pissed. I'm also expecting you're bringing up the idea of a knee injury and the whole selling kind of thing. How much you want to bet they sell for like 20 something minutes. This match goes on for like 40 minutes. It takes forever and then once they get to the point where everything starts ramping up, they just act like the injury doesn't happen anyway. And then it's just like, okay, well now we're having the fun part of the match. You know, I'm fine with that. As a matter of fact, they should do a segment tonight because we're recording this before Dynamite, where they're like, "Ha ha, not hurt, just kidding, let's go." Well, that Balls would be better. Saturday, that would be better because then you're not wasting time pretending that you had an injury just to no sell it later on once you start getting the energy back. Put I, the belt on the young bucks here. You can do a best of five with these guys. You can do every gimmick match in the damn book because mm-hmm. this should be that good. But if you flub the first one, it's there's no coming back. They've taken an easy layup and they've dropped the ball. And now it's up to, in a typical AEW fashion, it's up to, yeah, but isn't the match going to be good? And you got to go, well, it fucking better be. Yeah, it like, better be. That, exactly. It you know, better be. If it, it isn't, especially if they have this whole idea of like them not challenging for the titles again, if they do that and they actually want to stick to that, and they've taken Cody out of the world title picture and the Young Bucks out of the tag title picture, I have no idea what this company's doing. Because there is no reason to give yourself that kind of set of handcuffs. And this, I'm going to say, and I said this on a show last week, it's them knowing that they need to be the top stars, but not wanting to seem like they're putting themselves over. So they're handcuffing themselves because they don't want to seem like they're selfish. And here's the thing. There's a reason that bookers used to put themselves at the top of the card because they understood that they were the ones they could rely on. Yes, AEW's got some great talent, but none better than, again, the core group of why we're all interested in this product to begin with. And I think that by trying to please everybody, you're pleasing nobody and you better have a damn good match on Saturday night. Also keep this in mind. 
if you think you are one of the best wrestlers in the world and that people should want to watch you and that people would watch a company that you are creating as like the anchors of this whole thing because of how good you are. And you think that people are going to be upset with the idea that you're a champion or something. You're worrying about a small group of people that you're trying to placate, you know, Oh, you're booking yourselves at the top. This is like a WCW or whatever. Not as many people are going to be upset with that. Most of the fans are going to be happy with the fact that you're a champion because they like you because they're watching your product. And yeah, you can't be on every single segment and do all that, but that doesn't mean you need the title to do that anyway. You could still be booking yourselves in that kind of a scenario. So as long as you've got the reservations to not book yourselves in a kind of crazy way, the titles aren't going to dictate that. It's not like if Cody were to win the world championship, suddenly it would come off as if he's way too much on the show, unless they book him way too much on the show. And they could do that just the same without a title. Look at how long his entrance is. He has like three entrances every single time and he doesn't have the fucking world title. So that doesn't that that argument's already thrown out. Plus, if you are that good, then why wouldn't you be a part of things? I consider myself a good enough writer and a good enough podcaster that, yeah, on Smartout Moment, I write a lot of the articles. I do the podcasts. I don't do the Paul Heyman Smackdown because these guys take care of that and that's their their baby. But, you know, like, it's not like, oh, Tony booked himself to be, like, on all of the Smack Talk podcasts. Yeah. The reason why we have a Smack Talk podcast is I was like, hey, I kind of want to do a podcast and it's my fucking website. <laughs> if they are the EVPs and if they were, like, oh, they're on their wrestling every week or something, well, it's fucking all elite wrestling. If it was well, all everybody else wrestling, then yeah, it'd be a different fucking story. Give these people what they want. Make things as easy as you can make it, because if you want to do that for the other feuds, I don't understand the logic. You can't say Jake Hager versus whatever. Isn't that going to be a good match? And you go, I don't know, maybe. Is that your whole build? And then when you get to something like FTR and the Young Bucks, where you could literally just go, it's FTR and the Young Bucks, just fucking watch it. And people would go, shit, yeah. And then you go, you know, let's try to make that one a story. Let's try to go all over the it's, place. Like, what? Like, it's, it's what WWE backwards. did with the whole AJ Shinsuke feud. It's literally AJ and Shinsuke. Shut up and let it go. Now, but this is funny because they're punching each other in the ball. What do you think? Let it go. Like, It's weird uh, that you can take the thing that doesn't need anything and do too much for it. And then take the things that need something and go, that doesn't need anything. It's ass backwards. I don't understand it. But I'm not feeling this as much as I should. You know, a couple months ago, it was like, oh, FTR's in there. I mean, I still hate the FTR name, but like, cool, we're finally going to see that Young Bucks match, and that'll be fun. And at this point, I'm like, oh, the Young Bucks are being stupid, and this is whatever. They've already kind of had some, like, six-man tags and whatever. I got a feeling it's going to be overrated. It's going to go long, and people are going to talk about how this is the best thing ever. And at the end of the post show, I'm going to be like, "Yeah, you know what? It's a solid match, but it, it was all messed up." And what are they doing? You know, and the stipulation just really throws me off too. So, I would assume that maybe the Young Bucks win just because they did it with Cody before, where it's like, "Oh, yeah, that Pirates would did that and whatever." So they've proven that they can already do that. They don't need to have the Young Bucks not 
do that with the tag titles anymore. Or maybe that's their fake out is people thinking that. And it's like this double blind type of a thing where it's like, you think that we're going to have the Young Bucks win. Well, haha, they actually lost too. And and then fucking Kenny will win a, uh, be in a situation where he'll be like, if I lose this, I will never fight for the TNT title. <laughs> and then they'll have, they'll bring um, Brandy and she'll say, if I lose this, I'll never fight for the women's title. And they'll just kind of do that garbage. I don't know. But I should be super, everybody should be just like, this is the no-brainer, everything is great, and we're all smiles. And I feel like there's so much negativity to go around with this. It shouldn't be the case. I'm going to go Young Bucks winning. Uh, I Young think it's Bucks. a coin flick, fl- uh, coin flip, and it shouldn't be anything what it is. I'm going to go FTR and just think that my idea about this whole elite turning heel and running rush shot is going to happen at some point. Manifested, Callum. I believe in you. <laughs> now, I do really like the Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega chances of having a really good match there. That match, more than any, I think is going to be what delivers. That is the final for the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. I had to look that up because it was just number one contenders tournament and everything that I had written down. Um, I think that there then this weird thing right now where it, it kind of seems like Cody should turn and the Young Bucks are heels and Kenny Omega seems like he's going to turn heel. And I don't know why everybody would just be like, let's just all turn. I think that sometimes people get a little bit too like you ever see when somebody gets a pattern and you start noticing that after a certain amount of months, they always need a change. Like, uh, you know, you got like a family member or a friend or something that's always like, I don't know, every three months it's like, oh, I, I adopted a new pet. Oh, I decided to paint the house. Oh, I got a new car. I changed my job. And it's like, you're never really happy for more than a little bit of time, right? You know, a little bit of a feeling like that. that I'm, with, I'm that family member. I know that very well. That's, that's you pulling the whole, like, uh, I haven't if done any did. kind of a change. So I need to change something in every two months or something. Yeah. I was gonna oh, say, yeah. Yeah. Tony. I do that stuff. Really, you should just call us by name, Tony. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, usually for me, it's uh, either hairstyles or beards or whatever, anything like that. It's just like, now I'm currently clean-shaven. I'm growing, well, I'm growing a specific moustache because uh, Movember in the UK, which is like a men's mental health uh, charity initiative where pe- men uh, in the UK grow moustaches as like, and uh, like raise money through that uh, initiative. So I'm going to be doing that. But uh, yeah, but changing hair length, changing hairstyles, hair colors changing like yeah outfits games anything to that regard just like it's always switching around every couple of months or whatever so i don't i don't blame you for seeing that in a lot of these things because these people exist and they're sitting in this on this call with you so <laughs> to me i've never understood it i'm the type of person that's like i i don't know how long um like tortellini alfredo is like one of my favorite meals if not my favorite meal and it's been since I've like had it the first time in my life. And it's just like, yeah, it's fucking great. And, you know, it's sort of, I mean, I, I had come across a thing before, um, I don't know, a year or two ago or whatever, some old poster that uh, my mom had kept that I made in um, kindergarten. And it was like, I had like cut out things from, cause this is before like the internet kids where you had to like get magazines and cut things out and whatever. And I had to like, you know, glue that to like a poster board or whatever. And it was like, these are like things that I like and things that kind of like represent me or whatever. 
and I had come across that and I was like, I showed it to Caroline. I'm like, look, I never fucking changed. <laughs> like, yeah, this is when I was five. And on the thing, it's The Simpsons and uh, a Batman logo and a thing about pasta and a thing about chocolate. And um, I don't know, it was like, oh, like that. And it was just like, oh, look, it me. <laughs> like the same shit. Uh, I kind of feel like that's what's going on with Kenny Omega a lot, though, is. It's been, if you count the fact that January 1st or whatever is really like the official start of AEW uh, from from last year, it's been almost two years, but the company really didn't get like fully started until Dynamite, which that's a year at this point, a little bit over a year. Kenny Omega has changed a couple times. Like he's gone from just flat out Kenny Omega to... Kenny Omega can't get a win and he's all frustrated to goofy Kenny Omega to tag team member to now he's going back to the cleaner. And it seems like it's just sort of like now we're in heel mode. We want to be heels. Whereas Paige has gone from tough guy, cowboy shit, uh, up and comer, baby face shot right to the moon not unlike a certain camera grabs, but uh, he is in the world title picture, whatever he gets bumped down, whatever, but they only really had this one little tease about the idea that he could be kind of like this drunk. That's maybe going against the elite. I got a feeling what they're going here. Maybe I'm completely wrong is Kenny Omega beats page here. Maybe he even cheats to do it in some fashion, like a you know kind of a cheap roll up or there's some kind of thing with a turnbuckle or, I don't know the way that AEW books things. He probably just flat out wins. And then I'll spoil this. I think John Moxley retains against Eddie Kingston and Omega is the one that beats Moxley. And later on, hopefully down the line well enough that ends up being worth the while page is the one that beats Omega for the title. I, I first of all, on the ending of that, I couldn't agree more because I see this as, Omega Moxley revolution. And then I don't know what happens at double or nothing, but ultimately all out two years later, Paige finally gets it. But that's later. As far as this match, this has been a great build. I know people haven't loved the split of Omega and hangman. And yeah, from a character perspective, I think they're also trying too hard with the whole, well, he's a sad drunk, and Omega's just like, I'm going to be the cleaner now because, you know, knew me who dis, but like. <laughs> <laughs> we've got that on this, and we've got it me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird podcast. Now it's we need like, uh, that how it be sometimes. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way that this angle is portrayed. I think that. Part of this falls on the whole diehard fan thing where people keep going, we want the cleaner because that's how people kind of got introduced to Kenny and they want to see the shitbag heel who's a lot of fun to watch in New Japan. For me, that all is fine. But as long as these matches are good bell to bell, because again, the reason we wanted Kenny on weekly television was so we could get Great bell-to-bell stuff. And so far, and Callum, feel free to disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, I haven't 
been blown away. Like, I almost feel like, huh, maybe it was all Okada. Or not all Okada, but 75% Okada, you know, with those matches. And this is a good time for Omega to shine. And I'll say this. This is one of the really big, like, elite versus elite diehard fans would want to watch this match. Let's let's go. Let's do this. This is the perfect ending. Just because something is predictable doesn't mean they should have done anything else. Perfect tournament. Perfect ending. Omega wins in a damn fine match. Probably best of the night. And Omega Moxley at Revolution. I believe I made a comment on the podcast several months ago about the idea that maybe Kenny wasn't as good as people thought he was because Okada was as good as everyone thinks he is. And I believe that I was probably quite rash in saying that. Even though Kenny wasn't doing stuff to the level, I think what we've seen recently is what Kenny can be and what Kenny will be going forward. I think like that match with Sonny Kiss was ridiculously short, but it needed to be, and it just yeah. made him look like an arrogant dick, and that was like a great match. That was like this example of like that's a match in AW that went the perfect length. He should have gone twenty seconds done. That <laughs> way, just like, and I think this match would be great because the guys involved are great. This has been a very long running storyline between these two, both as partners and now as rivals for the uh, shop for the AEW Championship. So totally happy this match is taking place. Really excited to see it happen. I think that I'm not so much in agreement with the people online that are saying that this is the that Kenny Omega's back or this is the real Kenny Omega. Like Kenny has been booked strongly throughout AEW. He's was too uh, like he held that title for 228 days as tag team champions. And that was a point when I'm not saying the tag team title feud was one of the biggest feuds in the company with them and the young bucks it eventually tailed off a little bit after the COVID situation, but it was still, he was still prominently featured. He's been the, in the main event of three of the six pay-per-views they've done so far. So it's not like, it's not like he's been buried six feet under or he's not been a superstar, but right now he looks like he's focused. There's the, there's a clear intention about Kenny is going to be the world champion sooner rather than later. And in order to do that, he has to beat page here. Whether he does that few devious means, I don't know, but he will get the victory. He will face John Moxley. He will beat John Moxley. He will face Adam page in the future. And that's where I, where I'm kind of leaving open-ended because I don't think that it's a guarantee that page will beat Omega for the title. I think they might have some, they might have someone else in mind. I, I'd be totally happy if it was Paige winning it. It's like two years after his first shot at the title, he wins it back. I think there's a good chance that there's maybe someone else that comes along around about that time. But if it is Paige, that'd be great. And yeah, just that, that'd be just like a full circle story between these two, because these two have kind of been two of the like pillars of dynamite since its inception. So it's, probably good that they have like this on running narrative until like a couple of years down the line and i want to say i think the people who get excited about the cleaners back oh my god because he's being more of a heel whatever that is for him i think those are the same people who get excited because finn balor came on nxt and called himself the prince Mm -hmm. and it's like it's that just trigger in your brain that's like oh this is it because he said the thing and now i believe that the thing is happening i think omega's been booked relatively well i just don't think that they should have waited in making him the singles guy that's i mean that's fair enough but it's just the idea that 
I think that if they were if they were if there were like no good options outside of Omega, I would completely agree with it. But I think you have Jericho and then you have Moxley. I think if you have those people in your roster, then it's totally realistic that you decide to make those your world champions first. Omega will get his. Will be, it's only going to be the third champion. I think Omega fits in well as being the third champion. So I would agree. My ideal scenario: Omega wins the title at Revolution. Page wins the title from Omega at All Out. Because that would be like the two year out type of thing. And that is their WrestleMania in so many yeah. ways. And then uh, I don't know when exactly, but down the line, MJF is the one that beats Paige as a means to kind of get around that. Be, I think Pac should be Paige, but we'll get He's, there when we get there. He strikes me more as a guy to feud with in the meantime, like uh, Paige and Pac fighting maybe to get him away from Omega. That yeah, kind of thing. I, th- I think. I, I kind of feel like, yeah, there are certain people where I think you need to be, I think they've established already that you need to be at a certain level to be world champion in AEW, even though they've only had two champions, it's two of the biggest stars they have and be two of the biggest stars they have going forward. Omega fits that bill. I think if you book Paige well post this match, he'll be at that level as well. I'd say Cody's at that level, but obviously he can't fight for it, at least under the current stipulations. MGF is someone who can definitely reach that level. I think Pac is someone who's always going to be slightly below that level. Yeah. And I think that's, the, I, f- I feel the same way when you talk about people like Lance Archer. I th- almost feel the same about Darby Allen. I think you can do things with like people like Jungle Boy as well. Cause it would be great if like this, you spend the next like year and a half, two years building up MGF to be the fact that he's the champion and you spend all that time building Jungle Boy up to the point where, okay, now Jungle Boy can be the guy that takes the title of MJF and yeah. make, he can be the next big superstar. But there are certain people that will always be on the level below. And I think Pac, especially with the fact that he's proven that, not proven, but like he's not the mo- not been the most reliable figure for AEW in recent times. Putting the world title on him seems a bit risky. Yeah, he's a, he, a TNT champion. Yeah, that's totally, that, that's totally his level. Really quickly, let me toss another plug out there for the merch shops. There, I, I just want to say real quick, there's a chance that before this thing is out, we may know what the buy-in match is because Tony Khan just tweeted that announcement will be coming relatively shortly. Probably got to wait until right after we get done. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, if you want to buy in on some merchandise, there you go. Uh, yeah. T Public and Redbubble. There are shops for A Mango Tees and Smart Guy Moment and Fanboys Anonymous. So go ahead and browse those. I will try to put the Ben uh, design back up <laughs> if you want to buy a Ben shirt. And, you know, just, uh, you know, browse the catalog, see if there's anything that you're interested in. There's tons of different designs. And on each of those designs, you can slap them on a bunch of different products. So if you have friend, family member, or yourself that you want to get something for Christmas, now is the time to order because I'm pretty sure that everything is on sale. It's something like 35% off. And if it isn't, it's going to be happening pretty soon. I typically don't bother to tweet that out or anything just because it happens on such a regular basis on TeePublic in particular. So just, you know, check it out. Um, If it's not on sale right now, it will be in the next few days. I think that they typically run the sale almost the entire November and December just to make sure that they get, you know, more eyes on that. So pick up some stuff, get a mask, wear it, you know, do that kind of stuff. And the last plug that I'm going to toss out just before we get into the final two matches that we're going to talk about here is the champs giving tournament. We got that running right now. 
you know, AEW did their Page and Omega Eliminator tournament. Well, we got the Champsgiving tournament. That's what we got going on right now. And that is to determine who is the best, who has never won a world title in WWE specifically. We already took care of the qualifying round, which had a little bit of a mess up thing there because I realized a little bit late in the game that it doesn't make any sense for Morrison and a couple of the people that are on the roster now to be part of that. So I took them out, uh, gave people a couple of days to edit their responses and replace who they were going to vote for. And we determined the 16 in the bracket. So we got that going on right now. We got matches like Owen Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow, Mr. Perfect versus Razor Ramon, which immediately makes me go, God damn it, already we're knocking these people out. Like, I could have had Perfect and Razor as my final two. Uh, Bam Bam and Owen Hart, I don't think, would have been my final two, but I would have thought that that could have been maybe a semifinal or something. And I'm like, oh, this is tough. So there's only been a couple that are on this first round that I think are pretty self-explanatory who we uh, should be going with, but that's all an opinion-based thing. And if you have any interest in voting, go ahead and do that as soon as you can, because I'm going to shut that poll off either right before we do the hot tags, during the hot tags, or right afterward. I'm not entirely positive. I'll probably do it before or during, so that way we can talk about it on the hot tags. So Friday afternoon, pretty much, um, I guess you could say vote before SmackDown. Then you'll get your vote in. If you wait too long, you won't be able to, and then it won't count. That's kind of how polls work. And sometimes uh, your votes don't get counted. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes. Uh, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe by the end of this podcast, we'll know who our president is. Doubtful, but <laughs> I'm hoping for good news about both that and the buy-in. Let's talk about the. You know what? Now let's change it up a little bit. Let's not talk about Jericho and MJF. Let's talk about the world title because I have more to talk about with MJF and Jericho. Um, Moxley versus Eddie Kingston for the world championship. It's an I quit match. Moxley's retaining. <laughs> that's pretty much all I gotta say. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's I, I wow. Tony, I, haven't, I haven't been able to say that about it than that. We uh, spent like twenty minutes on Sheeta. That's all you had to say about the world title match. Well, we didn't spend twenty minutes on Sheeta. We spent twenty minutes on the women's division. <laughs> yeah, fair I enough. Mean, this, this match, this feud, has been excellent. Eddie Kingston has absolutely superseded any expectations I had of him. Just just by his sheer promo ability and Moxie's promo ability, it's the idea of just taking a match which on the surface doesn't seem that exciting and just elevating it by the strength of what they're saying. This feels like a really heated feud. It feels like it's worthy of having the I quit stipulation attached to it. I think it's going to be very violent. I think it's going to be tons more violent than the Roman Reigns-Jey Uso I quit match recently. I think it's going to be a better story than that match as well. So I'll just quote me on that in terms of the actual match itself. I know the, the story surrounding the Reigns-Uso thing has been better and stronger, but... I think the match itself here is going to be better than that match was at Hell in a Cell. And yeah, really, really excited for this one. Just to, just to see the match itself, even though I'm very clear about what the result is going to end up being. But I'm totally fine with that. It makes total sense. Sometimes a predictable thing is the best thing. Everything Callum said is 100% true. Eddie Kingston's a fantastic promo. And he's so good of a promo that he has gotten two championship matches when maybe he should have only gotten the one. 
My only issue with this is that they're seemingly arguing over the fact that John Moxley went to WWE, even though <laughs> they're now in the same company. <laughs> like, what is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. I see. I, I, I like though somebody's. Um, I think it was uh, Brian Alvarez's description a bit for me is the fact that Eddie Kingston is a hypocrite because his argument is not the fact that Moxley went to WWE. His argument is that Moxley went to WWE and didn't bring Kingston along with him. And yeah. so Kingston, Kingston would have been totally happy to go with WWE, but it's the idea that Moxley took the promised land. He took the um, bit from the like the poison apple, whatever you want to phrase of it, and then he managed to go to the promised land of WWE and didn't take the boys along with him for the ride. And now they're both in the, now they're both in the same territory, and he's using the fact that Moxley went somewhere bigger and left him in the dirt. Now he's at his level, and now he's going to take the championship from him because Moxley can't get him to say I quit. So I think the story works in that regard. I think it was the if the idea of like it was all built around the idea of oh Moxley, you're in a um a much bigger promotion than this one, then that would be a big issue. But it's the idea that he let he abandoned Kingston, let left Kingston struggle, and now Kingston is up at the. He's not the world champion, but he's in the same promotion now as Moxley, so he made it by fighting his own way, which is kind of a babyface way. But you also yeah. get across the idea. <laughs> it is a babyface story, but it's the idea of the he's a dick about it because he's basically saying, "Well, you didn't take me with you." It's just it's not so much him saying like, "Oh, WWE is," because he's he's talking about how WWE is gross and they like that's a shit like, shit promotion, like going to take the money from the big capitalist corporation up north and stuff like that. And it's the idea of well, you would have gone if I'd have taken you. He said, yeah, of course I would have gone if you'd have taken you. But So he's so he's a heel in the sense that he's a hypocrite. He's a baby face in the fact that he took a longer journey to get to a promotion like AEW. So okay, you know, Shades of Grey. Could, because heels and faces don't exist. Uh, I, I, I hate you both for, for just bringing that up again. But <laughs> it's, a shade, it's a shade of Grey aspect of it, but I think that Moxley has been a strong enough baby face that you can supersede it. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. Because the promo work is so fantastic, I am willing to forgive this, but I want this to be the only program for the foreseeable future that ever brings up, well, you went to the the sports entertainment land because you, you run a very, very fine line of becoming TNA. If everything becomes... Hey, you were in WWE, then you're just TNA. And nobody wants that. But I will say that because promobility <laughs> is so good. What? I just love the idea that that's like, that's a guarantee because it's always been the case. It's just kind of like, look, you don't want to be TNA. Even Impact's like, we don't want to be TNA. And now apparently they want to be TNA, I guess. I don't know about yeah, the whole thing. But it's just kind of like, that company had like, they didn't have WCW around anymore. And by just having another separate non-WWF, WWE company, they should have had so much more success. Yet they TNA'd it. They, they well, you know, like they did that well, thing. Well, and it's like the large thing that they did was constantly bring up, well, we're not sports entertainment. So you need to be careful. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying when I say I don't want to see yeah. them 
constantly rely on that. Well, also, also there, there's the factor of Eddie Kingston's not ranked, and that's that's the fault of the company, because if you knew you were going to put this guy in the fucking main event of the pay-per-view, he should have been ranked number one, just for the sake of continuity, but you don't want to do that, because you're basically admitting that it's easier to tell stories based on stories rather than wins and losses matter. Yeah, yeah why try. why not have him beat people on dark and get a bunch of wins to become the number one rank too? Well, was the idea that he didn't need to be ranked because he won? Well, he quote unquote won that battle royal, but he already got the he... match and he lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they had to they, they've had to tell the stories surrounding it. So I completely agree with you the idea that the rankings. I, I don't mind the idea of like wins and losses mattering and things like that, and actually people just going up the side of things. But if you're not going to stick to it to tell a story every now and again, then you kind of have to have it one way or the other. You can't just continue to go with both. So, so yeah, it, sh- it should be something where there's something that people allude to, the idea that matches do matter or just give stakes to a lot more matches and then build stories surrounding them rather than rely on a ranking system that you don't really seem too keen on following all the time. But they're the right, sports company. I, I would forgive the, I would forgive them if they weren't only doing quarterly pay-per-views, but you don't even do monthly pay-per-views where it's like, well, we'll go back to the rankings for the big uh, ones. For the big ones. But you don't even have that. So that's that's like a nitpick from me. But at the end of the day, this match would be great. It'll be physical, it'll be brutal. It's just there's not a damn part of me that says Eddie Kingston has a shot here. No. <laughs> so no. Go with Moxley, have some fun, but now I want to see Mox kick it into overdrive and really show his teeth as a promo and as a champion because he's had a very awkward run. No, I mean, very granted, awkward. you know, he's having his run during a pandemic, so it's a little bit weird. Uh, but yeah, I think but... I think Moxley's run has been one of the strongest world championship reigns in recent memory. He's been, it's been. I, I would say nigh on perfect, besides the fact that he can't perform in front of crowds. I, I, I see what he's you're the saying. Strongest, he's the strongest baby Facebook champion that I've seen in, like I say, like in years. Like, in, look at the comparison you've got with people that have had reigns this long in WWE. You have AJ Styles, that reign was boring as fuck. Like, they, he did absolutely nothing in that year-long reign. Drew McIntyre, I think Drew McIntyre is probably the one that's most comparis- comparable yeah. to John Moxley in terms of, like, it wasn't anything that he hasn't had like a super standout like this is the big epic feud. I mean, obviously, I know McIntyre's had Randy Orton, but that feud was was very problematic in a lot of ways. But it's the idea that Moxley has done has basically just carried a lot of feuds and carried a lot of stories on his own, really, and just by the magnitude of his own performances, his promo work, his just his sheer aura, really. But I think that it will be best remembered by the start of it, by beating Jericho and the end when he loses to Omega and everything else in between was kind of just a lot of good stuff. So I agree with you in the sense of how he's been booked. I just think that the, it it almost seems like, Hey, didn't he just fight Brian Cage? Oh shit. Now he's got to fight Lance Archer. Oh yeah. yeah, He's moving to a lot. He's like, I say he's moving between a lot of people and build out. They haven't given him like a standout feud in between this point. And when he eventually drops it probably in the next couple of months. So. But I'm willing to bet no pandemic and you do the exact same thing. Best championship reign I've seen in a long time. I'll, I'll agree mm. with you. Mm. It, yeah, I think I think he, he, the way they 
because obviously we shit a lot about some things WWE have done, but their booking of Drew McIntyre as champion would, would have been great in a non-pandemic environment. And the same thing with uh, Moxie's thing. It, like, it, might, it may not be remembered as strongly, but that was the idea that if it wasn't in the middle of a pandemic, I think this would be remembered a lot more st- favourably than it would end up being. Yeah, and it's not ending with uh, Kingston, so we still yeah, got a little bit more time. With Omega. We've yeah. all agreed on that already. Hopefully. If not, then it ends with Cody. And he just says, <laughs> screw it, I'm going to fight for the world title, and they do that kind of thing. Because it's really, it's not those two. He already beat MJF, he already beat Lance Archer, he already beat Brian Cage. I signed Brock Lesnar and I freaking him in and he You know Archer. what? Do it. <laughs> Give Moxley his win back. He deserves it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be Anthony Gogo, guys. He's going he's gonna to be one beat Moxley. Yeah, I'm not taking a go-go on uh on dark commentary. Um, I don't know why they put him there. I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they decided because he'll that. be in Team Taz, brother. It seems like he's basically there to say like, yeah, everybody here is great. Over and over again. It's kind of like what he can. It's only what he can say. I, I never really. I know he was a boxer beforehand, but I never really regarded him too highly for his promo work. So mm. I never heard of him. Been told. I had to add him down to uh, a roster list eventually. <laughs> I was just like, I'm like, He's did I spell British, this as, uh, his name right? Like, oh, go, 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 like that kind he, of thing. He was, a, he was a big deal in Britain for a little while because he won a medal at the uh, one of the Olympic Games. And so people thought that he was going to be a like, pretty standout the same way like Anthony Joshua is now and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, I don't know that guy either. Well. <laughs> you don't know the world champion Bogster, not the, the guy who is like the world champion. Okay, fine. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That I'll just say you don't know anything. Yeah, it's like of yeah, I don't know his guys. Well, you don't know anything, about, know anything about anything that isn't wrestling. You no, know Mike Tyson is Tony. <laughs> yeah, I could I could name you uh, Tyson, Holyfield, uh, uh, George Foreman. Although I have used a George Foreman grill more than I've seen George Foreman fights, so <laughs> goes to show my interest in that. I've seen all the Rocky movies. Creed's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Creed 3, apparently, uh, Michael B. Jordan might be directing that, by the way. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, more talk on that maybe on Fanboys. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about this match. It's not the main event. The main event's probably going to be the world title match. Or maybe they are going to switch some things around. Maybe they are going to do, like, the Young Bucks in the main event or something. But the one I want to finish off on is the one we haven't talked about yet. MJF against Chris Jericho. And if MJF wins, then he can join the inner circle. I think there, obviously there are two ways they can go here. MJF wins, Jericho wins. But I think there's multiple different avenues that they can take things even after that point. And more so if MJF wins. I mentioned this before. I don't know if it was on a podcast or an article or on 10 articles because I write the same things all the time. But I could see a scenario where MJF is in the inner circle and he overtakes the inner circle, kind of like The Rock did with the Nation of Domination, where he booted Farouk out and ended up being the new leader. MJF has Wardlow. Maybe Jake Hager goes off with Jericho and it's like Wardlow and MJF in the inner circle and Jericho and Hager outside of it. We get some kind of a feud between those. Jericho Uh, seems outside of... Maybe like the tweet that he put up earlier today and everything. He seems like he would be more primed for a babyface role in a feud with MJF than MJF would. And I could see a lot of different things happening. I could see MJF joining the inner circle. 
I could see MJF winning this match and not joining the inner circle and them doing some kind of a fake out where he's like, yeah, you know what? Now that I've beaten you, I don't really think I can learn anything from you. So I'm going to have to pass. And Jericho will be like, what? You got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you know, you, you got this match out of me and you wanted to join the inner circle and I finally accepted you and you don't want to do that. You like little prick, that kind of thing. But then that's putting MJF in the babyface role. So I think out of these two options, the least likely is that Jericho just wins and MJF is just not in the inner circle because that seems kind of like it just deflates everything. I'm going to go MJF winning, but I don't know if I would go so much as to say MJF wins and he joins the inner circle. I don't know if that's necessarily a guarantee. Um... So first things first, the build to the match was a literal song and dance. And I think we took the long way around again. But again, those two guys are the only two guys who can do it. So much like Kingston and Moxley being the only two guys who can be in a world championship. I quit match about WWE. I think these are the only two guys who should ever have a match based on uh, literally singing and dancing. I like this. I think MJF wins, and I think MJF just takes the inner circle from Jericho. Literally hope he uses the line on Wednesday. I hope they turn on Jericho on Saturday, and on Wednesday, they all go, Chris, you're not in the desired demographic anymore because Jericho's 50th birthday is on Monday. So I I would just love to see them go, well, you're no longer 18 to 49, so we don't give a shit about you. (laughs) And I, I will pop, and that's all I need. I've heard a lot of people say maybe we do some infighting. I have no desire to see an NWO Hollywood NWO Wolfpack feud on the second year of Dynamite. So please don't do that. Well, they are WCW that, in some ways. Shut up! No, you're not willing this one into existence. <laughs> Although Cody is much more pre NWO uh, WCW. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be a fine match. Maybe the closest thing to like an old school wrestling match you could get on this card. And I'm looking forward to it. So I'm no politician. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) But I have have a slightly different, I'm going to take a slightly different stance on this one. I'm fascinated by this match, by the, just the sheer fall about two guys out healing each other constantly in the same match. I'm looking for low blows. I'm looking for thumbs in the eye. I'm looking for pulling the tights, grabbing the ropes, basically both guys just doing everything they possibly can to, because basically they've already spoke about in that um, town hall segment, MJF saying the line that he'll do literally whatever it takes to win and join the inner circle. And so I'm just expecting these two to pull out every single trick in the book during this match. So it's going to be a lot of old school wrestling, but I think it's going to be a lot of heel shenanigans as well between the both of them. And I think that's going to make it really interesting to watch. In terms of the match itself, like the actual finish of it, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a situation where they've done all these heel shenanigans to each other and MJF has the better of Jericho. But MJF decides, in order to cement his willingness to want to join the inner circle, to lay down for Chris Jericho. So they have this time match, and MJF, even though the stipulation is that MJF wins, he's allowed to join in a circle. Just to add that extra emphasis about the fact that he is so desperate to be, to learn from Jericho, to be part of this inner circle, he lays down and gives Jericho the victory. 
that Jericho pins him and Jericho decides out of the like this proved MJF's loyalty. You're in the group, you're in the inner circle. Mm. And then you take a, a few months, you have him part of the inner circle, you build up some infighting, some issues, and then you have a situation a few months down the line, MJF takes over the inner circle, they kick out Jericho, Jericho turns babyface. I assume that Sammy Guevara goes with Jericho and joins him, becomes babyface as well. I almost think that Sammy Guevara is going to get kicked out before Jericho is. Like right. MJF's going to manipulate Jericho into kicking out Sammy Guevara so he turns babyface for a while and then Jericho is eventually kicked out as well and that and that puts MJF on top of a heel faction a heel a top of a heel faction which when he eventually wins the world title that can be his backup along those lines in the same way Jericho was with the inner circle and Jericho can totally take on a babyface run I don't know where, if he's uh, super popular among uh, the liberal fans of AEW right now but I'm assuming by that point in time they would have uh, forgotten all about it and they can go on to cheering him and seeing Judas when he comes out to the ring. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm personally going to go with the idea, because I just like it in my mind, of Jericho winning, but in a, it happening in a way that MJF basically gives him the win, so Jericho feels like he can trust MJF now in a way that he couldn't before, maybe. I like that idea. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But so, I think either way, like MJF just winning and then him just joining him. circle. I don't think that, even though Rob's idea does sound fun, I don't think that they're going to like do everything in one night, especially with AEW's propensity to slow burn things. I don't think they'll just give it all away in one shot. I think they'll try and spread it over a couple of months. I could see this being like one of the big drawing factors of like double or nothing or something. It's definitely one of the most interesting things to track and one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most. Overall, this card is something that I feel when it comes to like, if it goes super, super long, if it ends up being like midnight and we're like, Oh my God, this isn't over yet. Like that kind of thing. I think it's going to be one of those instances that we've had plenty of times in the past where we go, you know, this would have been a lot better if they would have just trimmed one or two matches and they would have trimmed five, 10 minutes off of some of these matches and whatever. But there's a lot of good potential here. And if they keep things tight and they end up making this book the way that they should book it, in some ways. And that's not to say that like, you know, our opinions are just the only right way, but we all agree the young bucks thing, not booked all that well. Maybe they book some of these other things better. Maybe they go into that same kind of trajectory. That's going to be a big factor in how great this is, or if it's just okay, or if it ends up being kind of a mess all out, kind of a mess. Hopefully this isn't the case. And, um, I'm excited for it. Of course it's happening this Saturday. So stay tuned for the live coverage of that and the articles that I'll be writing up because I'll be doing my usual highlights and low points. I'll be doing my usually co uh, coverage all over the place and we'll be doing our post show following the show. That's why it's post show. Kind of makes sense. We didn't do that beforehand. If we had the spoilers, we would maybe. But the uh, setup is the same as it normally is, everybody. So that means that if there are any changes tonight on the card, like we still don't have the uh, the buy in, right? We do not. Uh, yeah. No, so, all they've announced is a new match for Dynamite. Yeah, so which is, uh, we're going to have a new, a new match on the buy-in side of things. We'll talk about that on the Hot Tags Friday night, where I will be also filling everybody in a little bit on what's happened with the uh, Champs Giving Tournament. So again, go ahead and vote for that while you can. And we will then follow that up with uh, not only the post-show, but the thing in between that the post-show and the, uh, the hot tags will be the next Paul Heyman SmackDown podcast. 
Callan, what's on the uh, schedule for this next episode? Episode 20, I believe? Yeah, episode 20. We are past the halfway point, if you can, if you can believe that. We're uh, going uh, towards, in, continuing the build towards the virus series. So obviously last week we had the Halloween special. This week's episode contains, in Rob's words, as much as anything else, the greatest tag team match in SmackDown history. Yes. Which which is the uh, two out of three falls match between Kang and Chris Benoit versus Edge and Rey Mysterio for the WWE Tag Team Championships. There's also a main event of Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero. And yeah, several other good matches and moments that uh, fill up our thoughts in that show. So make sure you check that one out. Obviously, as we mentioned earlier with the Patreon stuff, there will be a dark cast coming out fairly soon relating to Super Tuesday, which is like an, a special edition of a cross-promotional show they did in that period of time, which we're going to do a, a special review of, as well as Survivor Series coming up later in the month as well. So if you're at the $10 tier or above, you'll be able to get all those in your feed as well. You can check out all the great articles on smartcatmoment.com, including the power rankings, my weekly contribution. Uh, follow the Fantasy League and all this other stuff as Tony tries to claw back my impressive lead and Rob and Wago just seemingly can't get separated from each other. I, I am very mad about that. Like, that's bullshit, but whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just follow all the stuff and all the updates on the Mega Maniacs as well. And follow me on Twitter at Weekmeister14. And that's it for me. All right. And for me, if you want to check out what I'll be doing across this busy weekend of wrestling, you can check out Fightful.com. I implore all of you to check out the Fightful Wednesday Night War podcast tonight with myself, Alex Pulowski, and Sean Ross Sapp covering everything AEW and NXT. Check out the WrestleZone wrap-up podcast with myself and Kevin Kellum. I'm on there Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'll be back here for the hot tags with Tony on Friday. I write for Fightful all weekend, Friday through Sunday. Write for WrestleZone the rest of the days. I'm always doing stuff. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at DudeFelice. And going to hand it back to Tony. You can follow me at Tony Mango. You can follow me at all the other kind of stuff under a mango tree, like a mango tree. But obviously, smartcoutmoment.com and fanboysanonymous.com are your priorities. Hit up both websites, subscribe and follow all over the place. Hit like buttons and share buttons and anything that's a good button, not the red button. It's usually a bad thing. And, You're going to uh, the red button, Tony. That's going to be you. <laughs> I yeah, uh, I'll miss it at first, like Fry does in Futurama. <laughs> That'll be how it works. But do the stuff you normally would be doing, and of course, tell us your thoughts of everything in the comment section below. Because we hope that you enjoy this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the next ones. We will see you then, everybody. But for now, this has been another Smart Cat moment, and we're being counted out.